Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. Joining us is the power maven of banking herself. She is the uh, found one of the founders and the president of One United Bank, Terry Williams. Hi. Hi, Karen. Hi, Omi. Good to be here. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Uh, you're the first person I thought of because I don't know any bankers. So I was like, um, that's, can this happen to you? Like I was concerned because, you know, things start, roller coaster ride goes, the dominoes start falling. People are like, I got to get my cash. I got to go get my money. I got to get my money. I'm, ooh, I'm scared. When, when you heard about SVP um, failing, what was your first thought? Well, just uh, how unusual they are. And uh, first of all, no, it, it, it won't be happening to us. And uh, all of your actually listeners should sleep well at night um, because SVB was really an unusual bank. Um, they uh, had a real concentration of, of depositors. Um, that's what it's called. They had, you know, 156 billion in deposits, but only... 37,000 accounts. So we have three times as many customers as they did, just to give you a sense. We have three times more than they do. Um, It's just that their accounts had an average of $4 million per account. $4 million. Uh, As you know, FDIC insurance is $250,000 and you are protected at $250,000. And most people have... $250,000 or less in uh, their bank account. So, and that's what FDIC insurance is for. And so uh, this was an unusual situation. They were also um, very much invested in in tech. Um, And, um, you know, the focus for One United and for most banks is community banking, community lending, serving families, as well as businesses. Um, And, you know, we do... Uh, support the tech industry and think that we as Black people need to to be in it. Um, however, you know, sort of the type of support that they provided uh, was very different than what most banks provide. So very unusual situation. I, I was sharing with the audience, uh, it was in the 1990s, in the 90s, there was a bank in Harlem, uh, Free, Freeman's? Freeman's Bank? Yeah, Freeman's. Free, Freeman's mm-hmm. Bank. My cousin actually worked for the FDIC at the time, and, and so I met up with her. Uh, I was at the Daily News. I was reporting on it. I was like, this is crazy. FDIC, nobody came and swept in and made sure that they were good, you know? And I was thinking about that, even with the, you know, the first bank that we Frederick Douglass and them had black folk put their money into, and then they went out and speculated and did all kind of gambling with the money of hard-earned people who just came out of enslavement, millions of dollars, people who just fought a war to rescue this country once again. And I think about, you know, nobody's there to rescue us. So how do you, as a banker, understanding that, if you're SVP, there's going to be a whole lot of folk coming in. The FDIC is going to extend and take care of the folks so people can have, who I can do some things. How do you feel about that? And then what do we do to empower ourselves in a space where it is, it feels very uneven? Yeah. So I think it's important to know that the shareholders of the bank were wiped out. So they weren't protected. And the management team was also fired so they weren't protected before you before you say that though uh the ceo the cfo and the cmo all cashed in shares two weeks before like lots of shares two weeks before this happened 
Yes, and that is being looked at, and there may be a clawback of, you know, depending upon if that was done legally, there may be a clawback of that. So they are investigating that. Um, but the, the broader point is they really focused on the depositors, and they really uh, said, and, you know, in some cases, these depositors are, you know, like I said, the average account was $4 million, but there were clearly some smaller depositors in there. Um, one of the things that you know I haven't seen talked about a lot is that SVB actually bought a bank called Boston Private Bank, and Boston Private Bank in Boston, where we are, was a you know a community bank that really served the needs of the Boston community, and they still exist. In, in other words, there's still Boston Private Bank branches, you know, in in fact in California and in Boston. And a lot of, you know, like organizations, nonprofit organizations had, you know, money in, in that bank, not even realizing it was SVB. And then, you know, you know, all of a sudden their money was at risk. So I, I do think that, you know, the regulators made a good decision in protecting uh, the depositors in this case. I, I think, however, that there does need to be some questions about, you know, why was there so much of a concentration of large depositors? That's that's just not the way banking is normally done. And no, that's not how black banks do things. Just saying. I want to talk a little bit about like trust for black banks versus other banks. I think you know, that's something that we see people always like, oh, I don't know, because I can't, I don't know about these, like, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna be, you know, you see this big uh, bank crash like this, where this idea of what was trusted, right, you're trusting that those bigger banks or banks like SVB, um, even at their level, were making the best decision for startups with blind trust, right, like no evidence, we don't know these folks, um, <laughs> and there were some accelerators that even required you to have the a, a bank account there. What are your thoughts, though? And, I, and, and I'm really asking this question for, for the audience about this approach to banking black is like, mm, I don't know, because, you know, I didn't get certain levels of service or certain levels of systematic things or uh, you really speak to that. I think more yeah. people should bank black and I want to nip that in the bud. Yeah, no, thank you. That's a really good question. And it's not just for banking, as you know, it's for Black business in general. And that unfortunately, there, there is an element still in our community of their ISIS culture. You know, in other words, if you have a choice between, you know, a Black business and a white business, you know, go to the white business. If you have a choice between a Black bank and a white bank, you know, go to the white bank. And we do need to get over that. You know, we do need to understand that you know, black businesses, you know, we, we were raised that we have to be twice as good. You know, everything that we do, we're like, okay, we have to be twice as good. And just like any business, you know, sometimes we don't meet that, that, you know, expectation, but we work on that every day. There is an assumption sometimes, a false assumption in this case, that, you know, they were twice as good. It's a false assumption that they knew better and that they're, you know, they have all these credentials and they're white and they're white men, you know, and, you know, that they're twice as good. And as you can see, you know, that's not always the case. So I, I do think it is something that, you know, we as a community need to recognize that we have a little bit of that 
you know, and I hate to be direct, but a little bit of that self-hatred, you know, a little bit of that sense of like our community isn't as good uh, when we, we know we have to be twice as good. And I just keep hammering, hammering that home. There was, right. though, I'm sorry, Omi. Mm-hmm. Um, when we first started, uh, when you came on the show for the first time, my goal was to talk to every Black-owned bank in the country and talk about, you know, how we can work together and build community with banks as anchors. And you came in as a guest. And not having a billion dollars, I look at the balance sheet of SV, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, and it's like $206 billion. I was $240 billion. I'm sorry. I'm like, what? Well, how? How did they, you know, and you you were struggling to get a billion dollars with three times as many folk on, and I get it, you know, $4 million, but that's not smart business to put $4 million in a single account that's not insured, as we are seeing now. So the trust that Omi's talking about, I tr- they trusted them with $4 million in a single account. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And imagine if that money had been spread across all the black banks. You know, imagine. So talk, talk about that. So you, yeah. you have people who have millions of dollars in your bank. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. How do you make sure that that money is secure? Yeah, so there are ways. In fact, I, I was really surprised when I saw their numbers. I mean, just to give you a sense, over 90% of our of our deposits are FDIC insured, over 90%. Um, for them, it was just 12%. So that just gives you a sense of how different we are. But we do have some uh, depositors that are large that have, you know, a million, 10 million, 20 million. You know, one depositor has 50 million in the bank. And uh, there is a program that allows us, it's like a reciprocal deposit arrangement where you know money over the 250 is put into the bank and it's disseminated among a variety of banks of which the black banks participate. And so that we can reciprocate and spread that money around, it still is available to One United, but we provide that deposit to let's say a black bank and they provide a deposit to us so that all of us are able to provide FDIC insurance for larger deposits. And it's a program that's been around for a long time. You know, I'm just surprised that they didn't take advantage of that program because what it does do is it allows, you know, a wider group of institutions, you know, smaller banks compared to the $156 billion banks to grow. Well, everybody gets to eat in that model, and that's exactly. the way we should be living. Exactly. We have Omi Bell, who's been sitting in all day with me. Uh, you can catch her noon on her own show, The Omi Show, uh, right here on Urban View 126 on Sundays. And Terry Williams, COO, president of One United Bank. We're talking uh, SVB, but we're not really talking about the Silicon Valley uh, crash. I, I want to get into a little more, and I know Omi wants to get in as well. Um, there are people that have north of $250,000 and right now the market is a little crazy. It was up today, crashed last week. It's we're in a bear market that, you know, has fits and starts and stops. It's unstable. Bonds are unstable. like the inflation is high. Real estate interest rates are high. There, there are very few places besides your bra where the money could be safe or under your mattress, right? Uh, I feel like that's where we are right now. We're back to where my grandmama was, where we're keeping our money in our bras. Uh, so, yeah, I'm actually a, a D cup, but I, I, I wear a G cup for the money that I keep in my bra. Don't try it, though. Don't try it. I know kung fu. That said, Terry Williams, 
if people are putting large sums of money, as we saw with SVP, somebody was like $4 million in an account for what? Why? Why would someone do that? Talk about the kinds of ways. Cause I want people to aspire, you know, yeah. as well. Like what, what do we do with those large sums of money? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, the, the, you know, one of the benefits that banks provide is that your money is safe that you don't have to worry about, you know, whether the stock market's up or down, you know, today, that that money is available. And, you know, a lot of times that money, uh, that pe- the money people have in banks is for a purpose. You know, it could be saving to buy a house. It could be, you know, and by the way, even though mortgage rates are higher, they actually are not high in comparison to historic highs. So I, I do want to say that, you know, six, 7%, you know, they used to be, I mean, some of us remember when it was 13%, when it was 21%. I mean, those were just ridiculously high mortgage rates at the time. Um, so they're much higher than they were, but they're, they're still uh, not high in comparison to history. Um, but I say that to say that, um, the, you know, the benefit of, of banks, and, you know, a lot of people had this money in, their, in the account of uh, SVP um, because they used it to borrow against. You know, they also had a loan from SVP, and SVP may have required them to keep a certain amount of deposit in the bank, or they were using it because they were investing it in technology, and so they needed that money to be available, and they didn't want to take the risk of, you know, the market going down today. Or So, so you know, banks are safe. It's a safe place to put your money, and um, that is still the case today. Yeah, I think another thing I'll, I'll just add to that, because it was um, startups, right, and it was Silicon Valley, uh, they were, the like, when you, let's say, go through Techstars, you go through Techstars, you're going to get an investment. Well, Techstars uses Silicon Valley Bank, so you would have to, you know, depending on the size of that investment, um, sometimes just at 250 k Y Combinator is another example. Like they're banking those, they're having their startups that come through them also bank with Silicon Valley Bank. And so as they raise more rounds of funding, so they're raising a $3 million round, a $4 million round, you know, like I said, four, Roblox was one of the companies that was in there, right? So if they're on their series, you know, D, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's no telling how much money they're raising and all that money going into Silicon Valley Bank because of the idea of their risk tolerance for startups. So as you're saying uh, that, Omi, what kinds of ways, you know, can we funnel money into? Because it's, it's, it's strength in, there's strength in numbers, right? So the tech companies giving money to these startups, but telling these startups they have to put their money in this bank, it creates this funnel of money that, you know, builds a bank up really quickly because I hadn't heard of this bank, right, until it crashed. But it was one of the 20th largest banks in this country. It was like, what? How? And you just told us how, right? So tech money is seems infinite. It's trillions of dollars being thrown. All right, I'm investing you, investing you, but you got to put this much in there. Is there a model, both of you actually, that would funnel money into, say, a One United that would help our community? the same way well i wouldn't ask uh miss williams uh around risk tolerance because i also think because they were so uniquely positioned in the startup community that it was more favorable for people maybe to put their money there because they were they had a different level of risk tolerance 
what do you think will happen now? I'm curious too. So to to kind of add to Karen's question, I'm curious around like, will banks consider like to go like, hey, way more conservative? Or is it kind of like a, hey, we told y'all to be more conservative. You know, is it like a, see, this is why we don't do that. Like, what what do you think? Like, what not what do you think? But what's happening among the banker community? I'm curious yeah. um, in conversations about this. Yeah. So um, there's there's no question there's going to be a little more conservatism that's happening in banking because of this. Um, you know, anybody that says something different isn't telling you the truth. There's definitely going to be more conservatism, you know, because this, you know, for lack of better terms, sort of blew up. And um, I, you know, I do think uh, that what it's clear is that there's a need for conservatism, but there's also a need for investing in startups and providing banking services to the startup community. Maybe it needs to be spread over more banks and not, you know, sort of concentrated in one. You know, maybe those startups need to, when they get those investments from the various you know, VCs, they then need to take that cash and spread it over more banks than just keeping it in one. You know, um, there, there will be a new, you know, you know, one of the things about banking, you know, people always say, well, how does this keep happening? You know, why does it keep happening that banks have this? And the reality is that the same thing doesn't keep happening. Different things happen. So in this case, this was a particular thing that I will say, won't happen again because people will come up with solutions to this and the solutions will be to diversify your deposit base because that concentration meant that somebody could just with their phone or on their computer you know they they lost 42 billion dollars in deposits in one day 42 billion so that again, because you have a concentration of depositors, and so you get, you know, whatever number it was, just move their money very quickly and it put the bank at risk. So that's not going to happen again. Um, but at the same time, what we do want, we do want the financial community and banks to provide services to startups. You know, that's how, you know, we get you know, inventions and new ways of doing things. And, you know, some of the businesses that, that were with SVB were, you know, were outstanding businesses. I mean, some of them were, you know, past the startup stage. I mean, they were rolling. And so, you know, we do want to make sure that those businesses obtain the, the services that they have, but the risk just needs to be spread around more and not concentrated. And then Karen, to your point, you know, how does it, how do black banks participate? And we are finding, we're finding a lot of uh, companies, you know, again, since George Floyd, you know, since, you know, the pandemic, a lot of corporations are putting deposits in One United Bank and other black banks. I, you know, I can give you a list of companies that were not customers before, but have become customers. However, I do want to make sure that this, this SVP, SVB does not stop that from going forward. You know, where companies would be like, ooh, I don't know, because, you know, this could blow up on me. Because our deposits are FDIC insured. 
And they do, you know, our corporate deposits do help us do, you know, what we need to do for our community. So, you know, a lot of the black banks, you know, we look in the round and say, okay, don't look at us sideways because this happened because this, this one not, you know, right. it's in our problem. And, you know, continue to support us because we need, we need, you know, those big dollars in order to do what we do for our community. Uh, I'm old enough to remember and uh, to have watched your growth over the last seven years that we've yeah. been a part of this urban view family and expanded many of uh, onto many of the other shows here. So I want to thank you for that. It's a symbiotic rela- relationship and this is what all of our relationships should look like where yeah. everyone should prosper for being in partnership with one another is what you were talking about before we went to break. Um, so, you know, most of us have our money in different places, you know, for various different reasons. There are banks that have really high interest rates. There are CD rates that are super high right now and the fours, which 4.5%, you know, which is great, you know, for short term. How do you compete? Because you say, for, you know, definitely you're not a digital bank. Digital banks can get away with some things that brick and mortar banks cannot. You do have a digital arm. But the interest rate game right now for savers, which most black people are, we've been conditioned to be savers, which I'm happy about yeah. right now. It's good. How do how do you, Terry Williams at One United, compete with the high interest rates that are out there right now? That's a good question. So, um, you know, we do have for, for savings accounts, we have rates higher than the national banks and uh, not higher than all the digital banks. But there a lot of your audience actually has money sitting in a savings account and a large you know, Bank of America, and they are making less than they would with One United. So, yes, we say to them, you know, you can move that money to One United Bank. You know, it benefits us. It benefits you because you get more than you get with Bank of America or, you know, other national banks. So our our rates are actually higher than the national average. And most of your audience has money in, you know, that are making less. So that's one. But the second is it's also more than that. I mean, you mentioned uh, the empowerment network, the surcharge free network. We have more surcharge free ATMs than any other bank in the country. And you know how many times our community goes into a Walgreens and takes out some cash? You know, every time they do that, that two, three dollars adds up, you know, or to a CVS or to a, you know, a Target or, I mean, there, there are ways in which we are nickel and dime, you know, to death. And what we do is try to make it as frictionless as possible for for our community to do business with us. Because the reality is we may not have a huge amount of savings, but we are getting a huge amount of fees. So, you know, the key is to avoid the fees by banking with a bank that offers you free checking, that gives you, you know, access to your money surcharge free. And that isn't, you know, nickel and diming you just to have an account. So one of the things about um, working with different banks is their social impact efforts and their CSR um, accountability. How does One United work with social impact organizations? So I'm the CEO of Black Girl Ventures. Um, If I'm not mistaken, you might work with the Gathering Spot, but I'm not exactly sure. Um, So I'm interested in like how you view, or or are you like, hey, we're doing this work. This is social impact in and of itself. Why do we need to be doing more, you know, CSR? Like, why do we need to do corporate social responsibility in this way? I know um, there are guidelines that you have to meet, but um, I don't often see One United in some of the spaces that I'm in. And I'm curious, 
how do you look at social impact? I'm in a startup world, so. So if you go to oneunited.com slash scorecard, you'll actually see, we, we do a scorecard every year of what we've done for our community. And we look at it from all you know, angles, from you know, marketing to technology, to human resources, to strategy. You know, what are we doing to, you know, to, to basically improve the world? So um, if you want an actual scorecard of One United Bank, go to oneunitedbank.com slash scorecard. Um, we also um, are heavily involved in organizations that really uh, support our community. And they, they are, uh, different depending upon, you know, sort of the, the a combination of the need or, or what we're involved in. Um, you know, I'm just going to use one as an example. There's something called the Black Economic Council of Massachusetts. It's a, it's basically the Black uh, Chamber of Massachusetts. I'm the chair of that, and we uh, sponsor something called the Mass Black Expo, which is a a uh, annual event that brings all black businesses in Massachusetts together and gives them all kinds of relationships with corporations so that they can grow. I happen to be in Miami at, at the moment. Um, we're actually working on um, a, a development here that is right down the street from the bank that is a community wealth building development project. You know, it's not done yet. You know, I'm hoping we can push it over the finish line. Um, but we're heavily involved in supporting the organization that's doing that, which is the 79th Street Corridor Initiative. And that, that I'm just going to use that development as an example. It includes a foreign, a foreign trade zone designation, one of the only nonprofits to actually have a foreign trade zone designation in the country. And trade and logistics and foreign trade here in Miami is huge. And so we're really trying to bring that to the black community. So, you know, we have, you know, in, in LA, we also have um, a organization that we support that supports small businesses called the Pacific Coast uh, Regional. So, so we are involved in community uh, projects, um, but we also um, really make sure that all the services that we offer are to build our community. And that's, you know, we take banking and, and sort of jerry-rig it so that it actually does the things that make a difference to our community, whether that's second chance checking accounts, whether that's getting a secured card to help you rebuild your credit, you know, whether that's, again, our surcharge-free network. Like we're saying two-day early pay, you know, now banks, now the large banks are starting to offer that, you know, we've been offering that for years. So we're really trying to be a model for how banks should do business with our community. And, and that's our biggest impact. We're, we are an advocate for Black folks, unapologetically Black. And that's just, you know, rare in the banking space. You better say that and then throw your Black debit card on there and say, look at Dooney. Come on through. Yes. All right. Listen, um, Ms. Williams. <laughs> I appreciate you always being available to have these conversations and I appreciate you always supporting uh, quietly and loudly uh, the things that you do in the community. And I'm extremely proud of you and Mr. Coey and what you've been able to do over the years and onward and upward. Thank you. No, thank you for having me too, because this is an important conversation, particularly, you know, given all this news going on, it's important for our community to know SVB was a very different bank, different than most 
you know, banks and clearly different than black banks. Man. All right. Your money's safe, y'all. Our money is safe at One United. All right. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.